Breadbox Media invites you to connect with us. Visit breadboxmedia.com to download the app, connect with us via social media, give us your feedback, get to know your show hosts, find the program schedule, and more. Breadboxmedia.com. Hello, friends, and welcome back to Vatican U Radio, a weekly walk through the teachings of the church right smack dab in the middle of everyday life. Join us each week. Join us today as we encounter the freshness of and life that is sometimes unexpected in the teachings of the church. We continue our exploration of the Second Vatican Council's document on a sacred liturgy. We're looking at uh, chapter 2, paragraphs 83 through 101 this week, and I'm joined by Two of my co-hosts, um, Father Chris and Father Alan. Father Jerry is not able to be with us this week because of scheduling difficulties, but we're very excited that you're back with us. We've been having a lot of fun over the last few weeks, and we hope to continue to have a lot of fun as we look at the documents of the Second Vatican Council. We've been hearing some feedback from some of our listeners who have said that um, it helps put them asleep at night. <laughs> uh, we've heard feedback from other parishioners saying that it keeps them sane during the week. We don't know what uh, you find in it, but we're glad that you're with us. And we're really excited to be back here for what we have titled as the Divine Office Space Edition of our show. <laughs> I've so, got my sacred red stapler sitting right on my desk. We're ready to go. Is that where That's my stapler prob- went? <laughs> Maybe I should have watched the sitcom before we named the show this way, but I have my Staples <laughs> Easy button. Okay, wait, Father Sean? Yes? O- Office Space wasn't the sitcom. Office Space was a movie. What's the sitcom? The Office. But it's okay. It's all good. It's all good. All right. Well, Father Chris has got the cultural uh, <laughs> analysis, and I'm the resident prepper, so we all have our division of labor. Um <laughs> As is normal, at the beginning of the show, we check in, we see how people are doing. So, um, Father Chris, Father Alan, how are you guys? Life is pretty good in the Diocese of Toledo. You know, the weather, uh, as at least of the recording of this show, is finally exactly where I want it to be. Um, You know, like barely getting up into the low 60s and just kind of being cool all the time and the leaves changing and it's wonderful. I mean, down down where you guys are, not in almost Canada, it's probably still like warm and balmy or something. But it's it was a beautiful day today. We had um yeah, we had lower seventies. All leaves are off the trees, but uh that was pretty awesome. So yeah, almost Canada. Finally got the temperature you like. What is that, like three days out of the year? Uh, you know, it's probably more like four days and a half sometimes. But yeah. <laughs> Somehow I'm betting he still finds his way across that parking lot to go get some wings. Uh, I actually, I did that today for lunch, yes. <laughs> well, I imagine in almost Canada, you're going to be shoveling snow in a, in a week or two. Yeah, probably. I actually saw snow on the radar the other day as I was watching and thinking, oh, it might start snowing here soon. And it, it didn't, well, at least- but it, it could have. At least you can have the parish maintenance man plow you a path over to the wings place. <laughs> that's true i never thought about that i'm so glad that there's not a wings place close enough for me to walk to that would be such a bad idea although let's be honest i probably still wouldn't walk over there <laughs> i was just gonna say a wings place that you could walk to might give you the exercise you need father allen that's right oh uh, well here on uh, uk's campus we have successfully survived uh, our halloween festivities and everybody had a good time and everybody i think was safe and um, when this episode airs our Holy Spirit Parish 
Waka retreat. That's a wildcat awakenings retreat is going to be going on and I'll be with our students there. And so I'm going to see whether or not they're really listening <clears throat> by saying the secret code word is pizza. And while I'm at the retreat with them, we'll see whether or not they've actually listened to this because if they've heard it, they can walk up to me and say pizza and I'll give them something very cool. How's that for a neat little Easter egg hidden in the middle of one of our podcasts? I like it. My only question about it is if you have random people walking up to you to say pizza, are you just going to be hungry all day? Well, how's that different than any other day? <laughs> well, fair, fair, fair enough, but it'll be it'll be coupled with disappointment when they say pizza, but they don't have any for you. That's so true. the secret Easter egg is get Father Allen pizza at the Waka 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 retreat. Yes, that's a really good. See, if people randomly walk up to me and hand me a piece of pizza, that could be really, really cool. I think I think it's a plan. Yeah. Nice. Well. My thoughts on that are, first of all, if they're handing you pizza, does that work with your whole, I'm glad I don't have a wings place right next to me statement, Father Allen? The other part is, I mean, we're talking college students. Don't they just say pizza randomly to authority figures all the time? <laughs> just kind of like pizza. I don't know what college students are like in the Diocese of Toledo, but no. <laughs> they say all kinds of things to authority figures randomly all the time, but pizza is not typically one of them. Well, Father Chris is the only uh, member of this radio show that actually was a member of a fraternity. So mm. we don't understand a lot of things that Father Chris talks about with college life. Yeah, there were weird ping pong traditions and golf traditions that may have involved pizza. I don't understand. But yeah, maybe that's a whole perspective that we don't get. Well, everything involved pizza. You know, there's. <laughs> so it wasn't a whole lot different than youth ministry. Right. Oh, yeah. there you go. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Hey, look, let's pr I'm looking at the timer and it says six minutes, so we probably ought to get our prey on and get started with this episode. What do you think? All probably right, Father idea. Alan, you've got, the, you've got the prayer to lead us in today. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Father, in your goodness, you teach us that we can sanctify the movement and the journeys of our life by sanctifying the hours of the day and offering you prayer and praise as a in a continual way. Bless us and all of our listeners on this podcast as we look at the Second Vatican Council's teaching about the Divine Office. Help us to understand all the great invitations that you've made in giving us this great treasure in the Church. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Well, Father Chris, this week you've got the two-minute drill on uh, paragraphs 83 through 101 of the Second Vatican Council's document on the Sacred Liturgy. Father Chris? That is absolutely correct. Just not wasting too much time. You know, I remember a couple episodes ago, I, I complained that, you know, Father Jerry, I think, got three paragraphs in Chapter 2, and I had the other nine, and I said, that's not quite right. And I shouldn't have said that, because I have 27 <laughs> paragraphs to cover here today, all about the Divine Office. So I am never, ever again going to complain about how many paragraphs I have to cover in our two-minute drill. <laughs> Except yeah, for like, today, which you've complained about. Well, you know, I'm, I am just going to mention, though, that 27 is the number of books in the New Testament. So maybe that's just uh, something for us to dwell on later, a little bit of trivia. And I'll, I'll point that out when that comes to that in the 27 paragraphs we're going to cover. So <laughs> it's nice. You get like three and a half seconds per paragraph. So you've got, you know, you're ready to go. Yeah. <laughs> We're going we're gonna to blast right through this. So again, we are in Chapter 4 of Sacrosanctum Concilium, which is titled simply, The Divine Office. The, the Council Fathers remind us, firstly, 
that it is the church's job to praise the Lord and to pray for the salvation of the whole world. And because of that, we have the divine office. The divine office then is set up so that the whole course of the day and night is made holy in offering this praise and interceding on behalf of God's people. We're reminded also of St. Paul, what he tells us in the first letter to the Thessalonians, that we are to pray without ceasing. And the Council Fathers remind us that the job of the Liturgy of the Hours or the Divine Office is to do just that, to pray without ceasing. It says it then in a different way, moving on uh, in the later paragraphs in paragraph 88, that the purposes of the office is to sanctify the day. So it's not only just to pray without ceasing, but to bring that sanctity, that sanctification that we all need in our lives into all of the moments of our day. Because of that, then, the Council Fathers remind us that we should restore uh, the time of the office. So once again, it may be genuinely related to the time in which they prayed. The Council Fathers then get a little more specific in how this works. So they tell us that lauds, or what's called morning prayer, and vespers, or evening prayer, are the two hinges on which the entire daily office turns. They are the chief hours, the head hours, the important ones. And then because of that, they remind us that we should celebrate those, reminding ourselves that they are the important ones. It reminds us that Compline, or night prayer, is to be a suitable prayer that ends the day. It also tells us that matins, or the or the um, office of readings, can be recited at any hour of the day. It should have a f fewer psalms and longer readings. Um, it also tells us that there are hours, um, which maybe we don't hear of much anymore, which are terse, sext, and non, or three, six, and nine, um, are to be observed. And if you're in a community that that's job it is to pray, that you should pray all of them. Uh, but if you're not in a community whose job it is to pray, that you should just pick one of those uh, according to the hour in which you're praying it. The Council Fathers go on to remind us that the divine office is the public prayer of the church. Uh, another way in which they say that is that the office, oh, I can't even find it. In any case, how the office is meant to be kind of like that public voice of the church. Because of that, then, uh, it reminds us then that just like many of the things we've talked about, there are to be some other changes, uh, since psalms and scripture are so important to this public prayer of the church, that instead of distributing them throughout one week, we should pray more of psalms, make sure that we include all of those things, um, so that it should be through some longer period of time. As we know, it's, it's moved to a four-week psalter. Uh, the readings, then, should be from sacred scripture, and again, we're reminded that they should be drawn out more. And then there are a lot of other details, which I think a lot of our listeners may found interesting, might find interesting, but are things that, you know, I think even as priests, we kind of notice and see, oh, well, there's kind of a lot there. So I'll just kind of end uh, with this final statement here, that the divine office is the voice of the church, and whether we pray it uh, together, uh, in choir, in common, or on our own, that it's supposed to be uh, turning our minds to devotion and the celebration that we experience in the Mass, which is a way to kind of sanctify our day and extend all of those things through everything we do. Nicely done, Father Chris. See, this is the reason why you get assigned 750 paragraphs to do in two minutes, because you actually pull it off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, friends, we'll be right back in our second segment to explore a little bit more of this Divine Office Space Edition 
looking at Chapter 4 of Sacrosanctum Concilium. You're listening to Vatican U on breadboxmedia.com, your bread for the journey. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Breadbox Media invites you to connect with us. Visit breadboxmedia.com to download the app, connect with us via social media, give us your feedback, get to know your show host, find the program schedule, and more. Breadboxmedia.com. Welcome back, friends, to this Divine Office Space edition of Vatican U. Vatican U on breadboxmedia.com. You can find information about our show by finding us on Facebook. Look for the Vatican U show there or join us on our blog, vaticanuradio.blogspot.com. On this Divine Office Space edition, we're looking at Chapter 4 of Sacrosanctum Petilium, the Council Father's Reflections on the Divine Office, also known as the Liturgy of the Hours. Father Jerry is not with us this week, which means that we're very excited to interview Mrs. Rosie Bird on the third segment. (laughs) (laughs) So we've got her dialed up and we're ready to do that interview. (laughs) Father Jerry just got in his car and started driving toward Lexington with with a laser beam or something. I don't know. (laughs) Good, but Father Chris gave our two-minute drill and he covered the 750 paragraphs in his section very well. And uh, so now we're going to spend a little bit more time kind of opening those up and exploring what they have to say. Well, Father Chris, I think you did a great job with the two-minute drill. One of the things that I wanted to ask you, since you've spent more time with the paragraphs here preparing for the drill than than I have, mm-hmm. um, I think many of our listeners probably aren't even familiar with the term the divine office or the liturgy of the hour. So I think maybe for this, the teaching segment, maybe we could just start with something really basic. What is the divine office or what is liturgy of the hours? The the council documents presuppose that somebody knows what it is that we're talking about. Uh, but I think our conversation needs to start with what is it that we're talking about? What is the divine office or liturgy of the hours? So I don't know, Father Chris, Father Allen, uh, you know, where where do where do we start this conversation? Well, you know, I I think maybe the best way to talk about what the liturgy of the hours is is maybe to connect this with another par- uh, practice in our parishes that we might be a little more familiar with. Um, I think a lot of our parishes are familiar with the practice of Eucharistic exposition, and we know that adoration or Eucharistic exposition is taking that small moment of the Mass where the priest elevates the host. And we're saying that we want to extend that moment, that we want to dwell in that moment longer because it helps us prepare for that moment in the Mass and it draws us back to that moment of the Mass afterwards. And in that time, we get to spend time in adoration, reflecting on our Lord present in the Blessed Sacrament. And by doing that, we can kind of take this period of time in the Mass and extend it throughout our day in some parishes through perpetual adoration. We say we want to extend that all the time. We want to try to kind of stay in that moment as long as we can. So I think we kind of all understand understand that. Well, in the same way, the Liturgy of the Hours is a reading of Scripture, kind of that public prayer, public recitation of Scripture, and that does the same thing to the Liturgy of the Word that adoration does to the Liturgy of the Eucharist. It kind of spreads that out throughout the day. It makes that moment in the Mass where we hear God's Word be something that we can experience throughout a greater portion of the day that can kind of draw us back to that. Now, that's not to say that the Liturgy of the Hours is the same readings. We just do the same thing over and over and over again, like we need to get beat over the head by our Bible, so it kind of sinks in. <laughs> but again, so we but so, you know, so we kind of turn to more Scripture, so we have a greater understanding and appreciation for God's Word. So I think maybe that's the best 
place to kind of try to explain that. And that's why, you know, in this document, you know, paragraph 90 says it's the public prayer of the church. That's why uh, in paragraph 99, it says the divine office is the voice of the church. And then that's why when they say whether we pray the office in common or individually, we should be doing it because it refers to the internal devotion of our minds, but also the external manner of our celebration. Again, reminding us that it's, you know, kind of a devotion um, in the way that we want to extend that moment of the Mass, but also it is the public work because we are proclaiming Scripture. We are praying for the world and all of that. It's, I think one of the images that I use to describe it to folks sometimes is uh, we know that part of the job of Christ as he continues to intercede on our behalf and for the salvation of the whole world is that he's there at the altar in heaven praying to God the Father on behalf of all those who are called into relationship with him, which is all of humanity extended through time and space. And as the documents point out, these moments where we stop and we pray some psalms and we look at scripture and um, we offer intercessions, as the council says, that's truly us joining that unending uh, hymn of praise that Christ the Son offers to the Father on behalf of all humanity. So it's almost like as we move through the days, it is a way of praying that we step out of whatever else is happening into the day, and for a moment we join Christ in his prayer. And the effect of that in the effect of that then is to truly sanctify our whole day so that more and more of our day is involved, or we understand our day is involved in that process. And so it's that's the idea of the liturgy of the hours is like saying it's the public work of the movement of time. And so when we stop for a moment in the morning to pray the liturgy of the hours pr- by praying morning prayer, we're sanctifying our morning by saying this time is how we're going to join the prayer of Christ. And in that way, the whole world then continues to join Christ, who is the head of our body, the whole body is gathered together and praying continually uh, in praise and thanksgiving to the Father and interceding for the world and seeking the salvation of all. Both of those, I think, are excellent answers to the to the leading question. Um, I just want to want to go back to something that Father Chris said. I've never. It's a beautiful analogy. I've never heard it explained as Eucharistic adoration prolongs that moment of the liturgy mm-hmm. of the Eucharist. And the liturgy hours prolongs the moment of the liturgy of the Word. I, I don't know. Maybe I was asleep in seminary that day when they talked about it. <laughs> Probably. Um, maybe I skipped class that day. Don't tell anybody. But um, I, I've never heard it put that way. And, and I think that that captures exactly the essence of what the divine office is. Now, from sort of a more mechanical perspective, perhaps some of our listeners have seen their their parish priest or seen a priest uh, walking around with a, a little black book with ribbons sticking out of it. That's the the prayer book we're talking about that has the the liturgy hours or the divine office in it. Many many lay people are familiar with a slightly more abridged form of it called Christian prayer, which has the bulk of it in. Um, but many of our listeners have probably been exposed to the ebb and flow of the divine office by the morning and evening prayers that are printed in the Magnificat. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's mm. probably the the place where most of our listeners have been exposed to it with the, the beautiful selection of psalms and canticles that are prayed in the morning and in the evening, which uh, goes about fulfilling uh, St. Paul's exhortation to pray always. Yeah. It really is a, it's a beautiful thing to to be able to figure out a way to do that, and the church gives us this beautiful structure called the divine office. Yeah, and I think that's a really good point, Father Sean. You know, one of the reasons why I think the divine office could be so inviting 
for all of the faithful, if they were to catch this grand vision of, you know, even opening up your um, your Magnificat or any of the other published versions of, of the daily readings that I've seen that typically have a morning and evening prayer, when you step into a space of praying the Psalms, um, it, you know, I think if all of us could catch that vision of what we're really doing is not just reading some Psalms and, and saying some prayers, but we're entering the structured public way that all of us join the prayer of Christ. It, it could make us want to do that, you know, instead of just skipping past those prayers and getting to the gospel readings, which I know that some people do when they see the Magnificat. It's, you know, you're truly joining the, the work of praise and worship of, of Christ in heaven. Um, and there are lots of ways, you know, you mentioned short, uh, shorter Christian prayer, or the one that's called Christian prayer, and I think there's one that's called shorter Christian prayer, and there are lots of ways to do that. Mm-hmm. One practical mm-hmm. thing that all of our listeners could do is, if this idea of being a part of of Christ's continual praise to the Father in a little 15 or 20 minute segment in the morning and evening, for example. If that's appealing, seek out one of these things and maybe begin to explore it yourself. I think the other thing worth reflecting on is that the bulk of the office is the Psalms, which is the prayer book of our of our ancestors in the faith. And so another thing that this does is it connects us with the prayers of praise that have been offered since the beginning of time. You know, the children of Israel, as they prayed, prayed with the Psalms, and that's what we pray with now as well. You know, Father Alan, you just mentioned 15 minutes in the morning or in the evening, and 15 minutes would be great, and certainly I think 15 minutes captures a really nice amount of time for Lexio Divina, which we could talk about perhaps in a real-life segment. Uh, but but one of the things that I've noticed as, as a priest trying to guide souls, again, feeling kind of like the obese doctor telling his patient to lose weight, <laughs> uh, the idea that consistency is more important than quantity. Mm-hmm. So if somebody's listening to 15 minutes, holy cow, I can't do 15 minutes. That's fine. Do do five minutes, do one minute, but do it every day because that consistency in prayer is is more important than quantity. If we decide we're going to do 20 minutes of prayer every morning and we do it for two days and then we're doing nothing, we've kind of defeated the purpose. But to start making that basic commitment that I'm going to sanctify my day, even if it is just the hinge hours of in the morning and in the evening, uh, I preached this past weekend on how to be a saint, a basic spiritual game plan. And one of the things that I said was um, make the morning offering a habit. Uh, tape it on the mirror that you're looking at when you're shaving in the morning or brushing your teeth. Laminate it. Hang it in the shower. Or if you're me, put it on top of your coffee pot because you know that's the first thing you're going to be looking at in the morning. But to sanctify that day through that ritual of prayers is what we're getting at here. It is. Although, you know, when I said 15 minutes, I was really thinking about about the m- period of time it takes to do morning prayer. And so everything you're mentioning is really good. But if if somebody's wanting to join this concept of the divine office, it is a, you know, it is a structured public work of the church. So it's great to, you know, to, I say to folks all the time, again, you know, don't focus so much on a holy hour, focus on a holy prayer. And I think that's a really good point. But to the extent that we want to engage people and invite people to talk about the divine office, it really is only a slice that's 10 or 15 minutes long in the morning or the evening. So that's good. There's, there's one last thing that I want to point out here before we take off, because I think it's something that we don't see happening in our church that the council certainly envisioned. Paragraph 100 says, pastors of souls should see to it that the principal hours, especially vespers, 
are celebrated in common in church on Sundays and on the more solemn feasts. And I think one of the reasons that people haven't engaged the Liturgy of the Hours, perhaps as much as the church would invite them to or want them to, is because we as Pastors of Souls haven't made that part of our community practice. That's certainly a piece of the vision of the Council that we can go back to and try to unfold as maybe something that we can prioritize as priests for the church. Well, friends, you're listening to Vatican U, a weekly walk through the teachings of the church from Breadbox Media. Listen to the stream, download the app, find links to this show and other shows, get your bread for the journey, all at breadboxmedia.com. You can also visit us on Facebook at Vatican U Show or our blog, vaticanuradio.blogspot.com. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Breadbox Media invites you to connect with us. Visit breadboxmedia.com to download the app. Connect with us via social media. Give us your feedback. Get to know your show host. Find the program schedule and more. Breadboxmedia.com. Welcome back to Vatican U, your weekly walk through the teachings of the church with this week three priests from different parts of the country on breadboxmedia.com. We are now getting into our fun section, or the section uh, that we like to call uh, the non-sequitur, or does not follow from anything else part of things. <laughs> and um, we have on the phone, Mrs. Rosie Burton. No, wait. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say, how does the non-sequitur segment, how is that any different than any other segment we do? Well, I was thinking that too, actually, yeah. <laughs> it's all good. This week... On our third segment here, we have another patron saint roulette. And since Father Sean has shown himself an expert at finding saints that nobody else seems to know anything about, again, probably leading back to that experience around your uh, breakfast table as a child, Father Sean, you have for us patron saint roulette. Oh, wait, can I make the drum roll? Can I make the drum roll? Okay. Okay. Today's patron saint roulette lands us on Saint Ulrich, U L R I C, Saint Ulrich. Now, before I get into talking about Saint Ulrich, I just want to give a shout out to my mother uh, herself, uh, Mrs. Patricia Whittington, homeschool mom extraordinaire. Just want to remind everybody, I have a passion for saints that comes from what mom forced us to do <laughs> every morning around the breakfast table. We would read the saint of the day. We had this big, huge book that we would get off the shelf and we'd read it. And it, it was crazy because it had so many saints for every day that we would then go to daily mass and the priest would be not celebrating that saint's day. And we'd be like, what? And then we found out that there were lots of saints for every day. So St. Ulrich is the one that I found for today. He is the patron against birth complications, faintness, fever, and this is the reason why I picked him. He is also the patron saint against mice and moles. Ooh. Now, this is a really important thing for somebody like myself who lives out in the country. Those who live out in the country know, know that this is harvest time and corn and soybeans have been running through the combines and the, for, the, the fields have been cleared. And this is the time of year for people who live out in the country. It starts to get cold. The fields are being cleared out that generally speaking, mice start to come into the homes this time of year. So I thought that people should know about St. Ulrich, who was born in 890, died in 973. He was educated at St. Gall Abbey in Switzerland by his uncle, St. 
I didn't practice pronouncing that name. Never mind. He was the Bishop of Augsburg. Ulrich <laughs> Saint. I didn't six... practice pronouncing that name was the Bishop of Augsburg. That's, That's so cool. Yeah, yeah wow. ignore that part. Ignore <laughs> that part. Um, he uh, became Bishop in 923 um, when Augsburg was plundered and ravaged by uh, the Vandals. And he led his inhabitants in the task of rebuilding the city and its cathedral. Should be my patron saint, rebuilding cities. Uh, in his old age, he retired to St. Gaul and named his nephew as his successor. So he was accused of nepotism. Now, interestingly enough, the phrase nepotism, giving a, a public office to a relative, comes from this practice of bishops naming their nephews uh, to their office. But yet he was a very holy man. He was canonized by Pope John the fifteenth in 933. It was, this is really important trivia here, the first recorded canonization of a, of a saint by a pope. And his feast day is a historical feast day celebrated on July 4th. Hmm, July the 4th, yeah. very cool. So there's a couple different things that we could talk about. We could talk about his patron saint against mice, which is awesome. I don't but understand also, how that's connected with the little thing that shows up on people's face. You said he was a patron saint... Uh, to deliver no, not that type of moles. moles. Oh, the moles like in the, the ground. What's uh, what's a mole? Oh, like whack a mole. Like whack a mole. Yes. Oh. Yeah. Nice okay. So the next time I'm pr- playing whack a mole, I should ask for the intercession of Saint Ulrich. Yeah. There you go. Nice. But one of the things I found interesting is that he was the first recorded canonized saint by a pope. You know that the way that you slick. have. Yeah, the way that we have since today is not the way that it was that it was done in the earliest days of the church. Mm-hmm. And in was, fact, there are other ways to have saints today than the one that we're typically accustomed to. Right. Yeah, popular claim. Right. So that's what people were trying to do to canonize John Paul II. They were trying to mm-hmm. do it by popular claim, but the the Holy See decided they were going to follow the normal structure. Um Many, many small towns in Italy have saints, uh, even small little villages, but it's just because of popular acclaim. Uh, it's not the typical way we do it today, but it was the way it was done in the early church. But this is the first saint that was done in the system that we're more familiar with today. Nice. I mean, I knew that that had changed over time. I, I, I guess I was under the impression that today we we worked through the, through the um, church process, you know, that that acclamation wasn't wasn't an option these days. But I knew that, you know, early on it was kind of like the cult of the saint grew and then the church began to recognize it by broadening the calendar in which it was celebrated, right? You know, like a in that how it happened in that how we developed into what we have today. The church would see that the people were were um you, you know receiving intercession and the saint was a good model and and the cult kind of spread organically and then the church kind of took notice. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Popular, popular claims started more at a local level. Yeah. And then it yeah. became more universalized through the church. But this one was declared by, by a pope. So he was immediately, um, you know, through the universal calendar. And, you know, when we talk about the early church, this was early. This was 993. Yeah. So uh, pretty, pretty cool little factoid of history. Very cool. Which I'm really thankful that I now know who the patron saint of mice is because I had a bad experience with the mouse um, a couple of weeks ago. Did I tell you guys about this? 
Oh, no. I got back to the rectory. It was late. I don't know if it was after a parish council, finance council, one of the dozens of meetings I attend in the evening. And uh, I was standing at the kitchen sink, and I was washing my hands, but I didn't have all the lights on in the, uh, in the kitchen. And at first, I thought it was just my shadow of my hands moving around in the bottom of the sink. But I had a oh. mouse that climbed up out of the disposal. Oh, my. <laughs> Shove it back down and turn the disposal on. No. <laughs> ew, right, ew. <laughs> no, I just looked at him and I said, you got a free pass today. I'm too tired to deal with this. Go run off. And then I put mouse traps all over the kitchen the next day. <laughs> <laughs> so you didn't even pick him up and take him outside? Heck no. I was too tired to deal with that. It was in <laughs> a long day. I love it. You were being hospitable in some ways. You, you know, hey, you know, make yourself at home. I had a, I had a St. Francis moment. Yeah, nice. There, there's like 12 mouse traps around my kitchen now. Mm. That's going to make it fun the next time that we're there to hang out for a support group. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Also, uh, deployed in time for these uh, coming cold, cold nights is um, mothballs around the outside of the house. Because oh, mothballs cool. will help keep mice and snakes out of the house. Mm. So we got lots of mothballs. You go into my house and it smells like a grandma lives here. Nice. Well, very successful edition of Patron St. Roulette. St. Ulrich, pray for us and chase away the mice and the moles. And the next time that we have uh, a festival and there's a whack-a-mole going on, everybody will know who to pray for for good success with that. There you go. Well, we've got a couple of minutes left on this segment. Um, turning back to the document, what are some other things that stick out to you, uh, to you fellas as you look through here that you think our listeners might... Um, uses a good invitation to consider the divine office of the liturgy hours a little more deeply. Father Sean and Father Allen, I have a whole bunch of other things highlighted, um, but I'm not entirely sure that I know uh, what it is our listeners would be interested in. You know, there are all kinds of things reminding us, uh, you know, the difference between like secular priests and the difference between religious priests or secular priests means like diocesan priest. Um, but, you know, the, the people who are, are, meant you know they they live their life together in prayer how it kind of affects them how it affects uh those priests who are working out in the diocese saying that you know sometimes um you know we get really busy and that this is one supposed to be something that kind of slows us down but two something that the bishop can kind of take into consideration and say mm, maybe uh maybe we can commute or maybe we can make this count you know kind of in a different way um there are a couple things in here again uh i think father allen you brought up earlier um, you know how, um, as priests, we're supposed to be praying some of these things with uh, the people in our parishes, the people in our church, especially on Sundays and more solemn feasts. Um, you know, there's mention in here about the language and how we're to use that and how bishops can kind of change and affect that, like a lot of things we'll, we're seeing in other parts of documents. Yeah, I think one of the things that certainly is a principle that seems to be discussed in paragraph 86, that, a, that the Council Fathers are talking specifically about the office, but applies to all of us in whatever way we're living their life. They're saying, you know, that priests ought to be, the priests will be more fervently given to the divine office when they are more alive with the need to heed St. Paul's exhortation to pray without ceasing. And I know certainly in the life of the priest, sometimes the breviary or the divine office or the liturgy of the hours falls by the wayside because we get focused on all the other things we have to do, quote-unquote. And I think people trying to live uh, their lives in holy ways and, and praying, that kind of thing, they very often also 
prayer gets moved down on the priority list because it seems like the other things are more important. But one of the things that the fathers are reminding us here is um, that taking time apart from whatever seems to be busy and higher priority to pray reminds us of the Lord who said, without me, you can do nothing. And so, you know, when we take an honest look at the priorities that make sense for a Christian saying we're going to stop this five or ten minutes in the morning or afternoon or evening to pray is a way of realizing that what it really hinges on, the success of our lives, what it really hinges on is the Lord Jesus Christ, not our own efforts or our own uh, priorities. And so I think that's something that uh, is a point that they make that all of us can relate to. Very good. Well, we'll be back uh, here in just a few minutes to wrap up this uh, Divine Office Space edition of Vatican U. You're listening to Vatican U, a weekly walk through the teachings of the church on Breadbox Media. Find this and other shows all at breadboxmedia.com. Breadbox Media invites you to connect with us. Visit breadboxmedia.com to download the app, connect with us via social media, give us your feedback, get to know your show host, find the program schedule, and more. Breadboxmedia.com. Well, friends, you've made it this far to the fourth segment of this Divine Office Space edition of Vatican U. Vatican U, your weekly walk through the teaching of the church with four priests who randomly found a way to connect and press the record button. Some of you may be sad that you haven't found a way to hit your pause button on your podcast player yet. (laughs) But rest assured, in about 10 minutes, it'll all be over and you can go back to living a somewhat productive life. <laughs> or find an even better show on breadboxmedia.com. Absolutely, yes. Um, so uh, here we are. We're, uh, we've got a little bit of time left to look at our real life segment where we try to take these paragraphs, trying to look at where some of these teachings may help all of our listeners uh, take the wisdom of the council and apply it to their everyday life, sort of in the real world where they live. So there's a lot of good stuff here. What, fellas, what do you think is a really good application that? that can help us just live our lives in a real way, a little more in tune with what this teaching is about. Well, I think one of the things to bear in mind is that if somebody gets really inspired by this radio show, I, first of all, awesome. Um, I'm not sure that 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 really happens, but let's just entertain the possibility that somebody gets really inspired by this and they run out and they want to buy the four volume set of, of the liturgy hours. Don't do that. Uh, when I first, um, spoke to my pastor when I was growing up and I said, father, I want to learn how to pray more. And he said, go by liturgy hours. And I was so completely overwhelmed by all the pages and the ribbons and the turn flipping and turning pages. That's, that's not the best introduction to liturgy hours. If you want to learn how to sanctify the day and how to pray throughout the day, look for one of the, one of the things like Magnificat, our daily bread, something like that. Start, start with that. Start with this with a simplified version of of sanctifying the hours. In fact, the Angelus has its roots in the liturgy hours because mm-hmm. when it first when the Angelus was first being taught in the history of the church, uh, there were people who wanted to sanctify the hours, but they couldn't get the books or they didn't know how to read, and so the Angelus was taught as a summary of the the Christian beliefs, and it was prayed at six in the morning, at noon, and at six in the evening. And that was a way for the faithful, 
even engaged in their daily work to stop to sanctify that time by praying the liturgy hours. And to this day at my school here at St. Nicholas, the eighth grade boys go over to the church at noon and they manually ring the bells and the entire school stops at noon no matter what you're doing. And we pray the Angelus together and it sanctifies that time throughout the day. So start small, but keep the goal in mind that you're sanctifying your time throughout the whole day. I think that's really good. And, you know, and people have access to the Magnificat or those other readings. And I, there's, there's one that I think if you want to buy a book to actually be able to, to begin to observe the four weeks. So, so part of the Liturgy of the Hours is that we pray through the Psalms of the, of the scripture, all the Psalms of the scripture on a four week basis. And there is one that follows that pattern that's called shorter Christian prayer, I think, that only has morning and evening prayer according to that four week pattern. And if you if you want to have a book, then you're not having to deal with lots of ribbons and all that. And to go along with that, Father Sean, I think I hear lots of folks all the time saying that they want to develop the practice of making a holy hour, either in front of the Blessed Sacrament or even in their homes, but they don't quite know what to do. You know, so if I go in and I kneel down in front of the Blessed Sacrament, people who are just beginning sometimes feel like they're at a loss. And this is one of the most appropriate ways to begin a prayer time and to begin the habit of prayer time and adoration precisely because it is truly the work of the entire body of Christ united with their head, praising God, um, the Father in heaven. And so I would say in a real life way, if you're looking for a way to get started with the holy hour, grab your Magnificat or one of these small versions like Shorter Christian Prayer, and depending on the time of day, see if you can begin by praying morning prayer, evening prayer, and then linger a little bit with your heart and your mind. And um, maybe don't start with 60 minutes in mind uh, as the goal to begin with. But, you know, as Father Sean said earlier, the important thing is to start. And maybe if you start with one of these, uh, it'll invite you into an even deeper period of reflection with Christ. Yeah, well said. Yeah. Although, Father Allen, I think maybe the other real life part we can bring into this is that, you know, as we hear the, the divine office, the liturgy, the hours is, it's, it's also a public act of the church. Mm-hmm. So, you know, kind of getting back to Father Sean's point, you know, it's like it might feel overwhelming for people, even picking up a book, even looking at a Magnificat. I'd say, you know, see if there's somebody who's already doing those things and ask them if you can join them. Yeah. You know, I know. Here at St. Wendelin, we have two men who are in uh, formation for the permanent diaconate program here in the Diocese of Toledo. And when the Liturgy of the Hours, when the Divine Office was first explained to them, the first thing they did is they asked the priest, they said, hey, you guys have to pray this all the time anyway. Can we join you a couple days of the week? So one, we kind of get an idea of how this works and how the rhythm works, but also so we can be connected in that prayer, which is the voice of the church, which is that thing which we do together as a way to pray. So I'd say another real life part is, you know, see if see if other people are doing that, you know, see who else has their Magnificat, see who else has shorter Christian prayer tucked under their arm and say, hey, would you like to pray together? And then do that, we kind of get that communal aspect of things. But then also it doesn't seem so overwhelming. We don't see so lost or it's like, I don't even know what I'm supposed to be doing. We can kind of help each other out through that. That's very good. And you know, another point that the document makes that I think we overlook is Realistically, any time the Christian faithful are gathering together as the day moves along is a good time to join in this public celebration of the church. So another real life thing you could do is, you know, if you're part of a committee at the church that meets 
um, you know, once a month, or if you're part of some sort of a study or discipleship group that meets every week, you might ask the others involved, hey, what if we explore this together? You know, the most appropriate way to begin prayer when members of the faithful gather together uh, in the work of the church is to be a part of the public work of the church of prayer. And so if you're meeting together on a Tuesday evening, why not explore with that group whether or not you could find a way to pray evening prayer together? Well, and if one of the things that's holding you up on doing it is the complication of the ribbons and finding the page and knowing what feast day it is, there are some awesome apps for Mm -hmm. smartphones that just lay it out. And you don't even have to know what feast day it is. You just click on today. It tells you the feast day, and it gives you all the the exact and appropriate prayers for that feast day. And many of those apps are free. So that's a great resource. It's a really good point. And I, I mean, I think there's even okay to go ahead and mention them. I hope iBrevery is one that's very, um, that's very popular. And so if you're a, if you're a user of those particular kinds of smartphones, give that a shot or even just go on your online search engine and type in liturgy of the hours for today. And there may be three or four websites that will just give you here are all the prayers that you need for today. I think that's a really good point. Well, fellas, um, it's time for the last word, I think. We've gotten to the point where it's time for us to take all of the drifting conversation and try to tie it up for our listeners. And hopefully in this last word, we can be able to summarize something of use that can get you through uh, the week until the next time we gather, or at least uh, be able to endure the conversation we've had so far as we summarize it. So I think, Father Alan, you're up first for the last word this week. I am. You know, I want to go back to a point that I made at the end of one of our earlier segments, and this is going to sound like I'm just talking to priests, but I'm not. I'll read the quote again. Paragraph 100, the Vatican Council Fathers said, Pastors of souls should see to it that the principal hours, especially Vespers, are celebrated in common in church on Sundays and on the more solemn feasts. And I think part of the reason for that is that the clear mind of the church is that all of the faithful, every member of the church, ought to have some connection, some exposure, and some cooperation with this uh, public work of the church, which is the prayer of praise joined to Christ ahead. And so for my last work, I'd like to say to any priest who might be listening, how can you get back to observing this in your parishes? But to anyone who might be listening, if you've interest in doing this together with the community of faith, seek out those leaders in your parish or your pastors, and uh, charitably, of course, but ask them if there's a way to begin to explore this as part of the practice of the faith in your parish community. There's my last word. Great. Thank you, Alan. Chris? Well, you know, I want to go back to a couple different points, uh, first made by Father Sean and made by Father Alan. You know, I think my my last word is, you know, try this out. Actually give it a shot. You know, see if it's the Magnificat. See if it's one of the apps on uh, on a mobile device. See if it's maybe even just like night prayer. I know night prayer comes in its own little booklet that only costs about 4 or $5. And saying, you know, just spend a couple moments sanctifying your day, as Father Sean pointed mm-hmm. out, however that looks. And, you know, do that in something that's not intimidating and something that's, you know, either connecting you to other people because you're kind of joining them in a practice that's already established or something that's kind of simple. And, and, you know, night prayer is a great little way to kind of examine your conscience and and offer up the last bit of your day to God and connect to that. Um, But whatever it is, you know, to give this a shot to engage in that work of the church, as you were saying, Father Alan. Father Chris, thank you. Um, I'm very excited because I got the last, last word this week. (laughs) 
I, I want to go back to what I had said earlier about consistency over quantity. So I want to talk especially to people who feel like their prayer life is either non-existent or not anywhere where they want it to be, but they know they need to pray more. So for those of you, the you are the people I want to talk to right now. Start small, but start consistent. So start with a morning offering and the active morning offering in the morning, active contrition before you go to bed. Maybe the Angelus in the middle of the day. Build the building building blocks of sanctifying your day by doing something that you know you're going to be able to do every day. Because as that habit takes root, God's grace is going to be able to open that up, and you're going to not just want to do more, but God's going to give you that desire through His grace to be able to really sustain that over the long term. So if it's learning some short prayers, getting short in Christian prayer, getting an app on your phone, but start in a way that you can really be consistent with it, the quantity and the quality will begin to unfold over time. But consistency is is the place to start. That's my last word uh, this week. Very good. All right, Will, um, before we sign off for this week, just like to offer a blessing for, for all of our listeners and ourselves as we continue to grow in holiness and to be saints. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise for your many blessings. We ask that you give us the grace to sanctify our days and to, to lift our minds and our hearts to be able to praise you in this life so that we may be with you forever in the life to come. The Lord be with you. And with your, and spirit. With your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, that brings us to the end of our Divine Office Space edition of Vatican U. Find us on Facebook at Vatican U Radio Hour or at vaticanuradio.blogspot.com. Search for Vatican U on iTunes to stream or subscribe to our podcast. That's all for now. We'll see you next week. Breadbox Media invites you to connect with us. Visit breadboxmedia.com to download the app, connect with us via social media, give us your feedback, get to know your show host, find the program schedule, and more. Breadboxmedia.com.